Welcome. It's good. To, it's good to be here. I was going to say and see the same old faces. What I meant was to see familiar faces. Really good to see. You. Pray that God will bless our time uh, together. Right. Uh, get your thinking caps on. Um, let's have a look at the age range. Yes. Some of you remember this. Can any of you tell me, apart from Ruth, can any of you tell me if you can remember what happened? On the 6th of September, 1997. 6th of September, 1997. Is that when the Twin Towers over in America, the airplane? No, no, no. It's something happened in this country. Princess Diana? That's right. Did you say Princess Diana? That's it. It was Princess Diana's funeral 20, 20 odd years ago. Uh, 6th of September. And I remember that date for a very different reason. I'll tell you a little bit about my hobby now, because I go go long distance walking. And that weekend, my son, myself, and two other lads, uh, we decided to go and do the Three Peaks. Now, those of you who know what the Three Peaks is, it's uh, Ben Nevis in Scotland, uh, Scaffold Pike in England, and Snowdon in Wales. So on the Friday afternoon before Princess Diana's funeral, on the, on the 5th of September, we set off from Melksham at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which meant we hit Birmingham at 5 o'clock. Now, if any of you have ever travelled up to Birmingham and got tried to get through the M5 and M6 at 5 o'clock in the evening, you'll know what I'm going to say next. We got caught up with the traffic and we got severely delayed. Henceforth, we didn't get to Fort William... Uh, which was our starting point, until about 11 o'clock at night. So we got to the first campsite to put our tent up, and they refused us entry. They said that that we would disturb the other campers. So there we go. So we got down to another campsite. The gate was open, nobody around. We crept in, we drove in, and uh, all the tents were around the edge of the field, all buttoned down, and it was all quiet. So we started putting our tent up, and I was going to the last, shh, shh, keep, keep noise down, keep noise down. Because I thought everybody was asleep in the tents. Anyway, we were just crawling into our tents. And then we heard laughter. And we heard talking. And it got louder and louder and louder. And all the other occupants that I thought were in the tent had been down to the pub. And were just coming home. So this is about midnight. So we didn't get a lot of sleep. And they were disturbing us in the end. Anyway, we did get up quite early in the morning. And we did go up to Snowdon. Uh, it was raining and cloudy, as per normal, uh, when I go walking. <laughs> and, uh, so we didn't get any, uh, we didn't get any uh, views from the top. But I remember coming down, it was, it was 12 o'clock we came down, and um, I, I had a little radio, a Grundig solo boy that I'd given to my mum, and I took it with me so I could listen to the, the, uh, the service, or the, fru- the funeral service of Princess Diana. And when we got down at 12 o'clock, there was a two-minute silence uh, uh, called, and I always remember that. Anyway, we got, um, we got back down from Snowdon. We travelled down to Scaffold Pike, down in the Lake District, and it was still raining, and we were soaking wet, and our, our, all our equipment was still soaking wet. So we chickened out, and we, went, we found the nearest youth hostel, of which I remember, and we had a nice shower and a nice evening meal and a nice comfortable bed, and we had a better night's sleep. And then in the morning, we got up into Scaffold Pike. In the afternoon, we came down to Wales, and it's the first time we saw the sun. It was lovely. Lovely in Wales, you see. And um, 
And then we, we climbed Snowdon and had a great weekend. So that's why I remember that weekend. You know, I, I, I wish we had time to go round the room and ask you all what your hobbies are, what, what you do to relax. And I'm sure I, I'm always amazed at the variety of interests that human beings have. I remember when I worked in the Avon at Melksham, there was an engineer who came to my machine to repair it once more because they were always breaking down. And it was coming up to the holidays. So I asked him, where are you going on holiday? And he mentioned some remote country somewhere. Uh, I forget where it was now. And uh, I said, what are you going out there for? And he said, well, he said, I walk along rivers in these countries um, looking for different species of dragonflies. And I thought, what? Isn't that amazing? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know there was lots of species of dragonflies, but apparently there is. Over a hundred, I think. Um, I'm no expert on it, but... Um, so, yeah, the diversity of human interests. And it's good we've all got different interests, isn't it? So what I like about human beings. We're all unique. God made us that way. And we're all unique. So what's this got to do with our, 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 our talk this morning? Well, can anybody now tell me the first time walking was mentioned in the Bible? Another question for you. I'm trying to keep you awake. You know, mustn't go to sleep this morning after what we... Heard in the children's talk, you can't go to sleep. <coughs> Absolutely, spot on, well done. Yeah, Adam and Eve, walk, uh, God was walking at the cool of the day. And, you know, what an experience that should have been, shouldn't it? Being in the presence of God himself. What an experience that should have been. But the thing is, Adam and Eve, they had decided to do their own thing. They were conned into thinking that they knew better than God. And so they were walking their own way and not God's way. And so they hid themselves. They were afraid. I love the questions in the Bible, you know. And God says to Adam and Eve, he says, where are you? He knew exactly where they were, but he still asked the question. And they said, well, we're afraid. And he said, why are you afraid? You see, we live... I, I love that verse in Romans that we, we just read, understanding the present time. We live in an age which is so-called the age of enlightenment. And men and women apparently know better than God. And we're going, you know, our nation is, is going its own way, as, as a, all the nations of the world really, thinking that they know better than God. And, you know, you've only got to, You've only got to mention just a few verses from the Bible, the beginning of the Bible, and you'll start offending people today. The word of God is under attack, make no mistake. You've only got to say, God created. No, he didn't. We're more enlightened than that. We're in a scientific age. We know how the world was most made. You've only got to say, God made male and female. God created he them. Oh no, we, we know better than that now. There's more than male and female. Well, we won't go down that road. But you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. The age of enlightenment is an attack, an affront against God. And so Adam and Eve had gone that way. And so they were uncomfortable in God's presence because of sin. And that's what sin does. It makes us uncomfortable in the presence of God because we don't feel at ease or at peace with him. Because we have a conscience, a God-given conscience, and we know we've done wrong. 
So that was the first time that walking was mentioned in, in the Bible. Now, there, this is just a, a few examples that we're going to look at uh, this morning. So they were not walking in God's way. But a few chapters later, we read about a man called Enoch. And we read this about him. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God in Genesis chapter 5. Now Enoch, he lived to, he was 365 years old. Not bad, eh? And when you go down through the list, there was Methuselah, who lived to 960 something, I think, 969 years or something. Can you imagine living in those days of long levity? Now lads, can you imagine getting married at 20? And 500 years later, (laughs) your wife says to you, what should we do for our anniversary, darling? (laughs) And you suggest something, she says, well, we did that 400 years ago. (laughs) Can't you be more original? (laughs) So there we go, long levity. And I often think that if I lived in those days, I'd go into business and I'd sell anniversary and birthday cards. You'd be on, on a winner, wouldn't you? You'd be on a winner. But it says in the midst of all that, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. I'm sure he walked so far with God one day, God said, well, don't turn back. Come on with me. And he walked. And in Micah it says, what does God require of you? What does God require of you and me? But to love mercy and justice and to walk humbly with your God. Now the next one is an example of walking in the scriptures. Is, is one that you'll all know, I'm sure. And if I mention Moses coming out of Egypt, and Moses and the children of Israel, they walked around for 40 years. That was quite a walk, wasn't it? They walked around, wandering around in the desert, in the wilderness, for 40 years. And the amazing thing was, their sandals didn't wear out, and their clothes didn't wear out, we read. It's all in Deuteronomy chapter 29, if you want to check it out. For 40 years. Now, sometimes during that 40 years, Israel obeyed God and, and, and God's presence was with them. Sometimes they disobeyed and God got angry with them and things happened until they turned back to him. The thing is, we don't want to portray a God that gets angry because we do things wrong. The thing is, the things that God has put down in his law are things that are good for us. He knows the best for us. We don't know the best. He does. God knows the best for us. Another favourite walk of mine in the scriptures, another story I'm sure that you'll know, uh, is in 1 Kings uh, 19, is Elijah. Can you remember which mountain Elijah went up to confront the prophets of Baal? Mount Carmel, well done. Top of the class, 10 out of 10. Mount Carmel, yeah. You remember the story? How the nation was going after false gods. Nothing new under the sun, is there? Nothing new under the sun. Look at the, the gods that we have. I, I, I despair, my, my dear grandchildren, I love them, every one. But to get them off their gadgets and stuff is quite a problem. And, uh, but that's another subject. But we do have our gods, don't we? Our televisions and our gadgets, our phones. and It's so difficult, isn't it? And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy for the younger generation. They've never known anything different. We have. We are out playing and in the fresh air and cycling and running around. But it's, 
It's not as easy as that these days, is it? With the roads and so on. I used to cycle for miles. And my mum used to say, where have you been, Philip? And I said, well, I lived in Wales at the time, in Somerset. I said, well, I, I cycled down to Burnham and back, Burnham on sea and back. And I said to my mum, well, it, she said, if you let me know. And I'd done that in the morning. And she said, if, if you let me know, I would have packed you some lunch. I said, mum, if I'd let you know, you wouldn't have let me go. <laughs> but there we go. So we were freer in those days in that sense. Um, to, to be out and about and um, I notice when I'm out uh, when half term for example there seems to be no difference uh, with half term than when they're at school there's not many children out and about playing it, it's a sad situation but you know I'm not judging the younger generation if they've never known anything different I just feel sorry for them really anyway going back to Elijah on the prophets of Baal with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You remember the story, how the power of God was shown in a very, very uh, powerful way when the, 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 the flames came down from heaven and devoured the, the, the offering of Elijah, whereas the prophets of Baal were, were dancing and shouting and cutting themselves and doing I don't know what else, pr- crying out to Baal, but he didn't answer. It was a false god. And then the people started turning back to God. There was a a nationwide revival. The Lord is God. The Lord is God, they were crying. What an experience. Mountaintop experience. And then Elijah comes down from the mountain. From that mountaintop experience. A lady threatens him with his life, Queen Jezebel. And he runs away. And he runs into uh, into into the desert, walks to... Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And he was walking for 40 days and 40 nights. And I've worked out, I looked on the map, from where he was, from Mount Carmel to Mount Horeb, is about 200 miles. Now, when I go long distance walking, I walk about 20 miles a day. So that is dead right, you know, 20 miles a day. And when Elijah gets to uh, Mount Horeb, God meets with him. And it's one of these God questions again. He asks Adam, where where are you? And he says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And if you read the story, Elijah pours his heart out to God. He says, look, I'm the only one left. All the nation have turned against you. I'm the only prophet preaching your word. Nobody's taken any notice of me. And now they want to kill me. He just poured his heart out to God. He was angry with God. You look at through the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. 50 of them are the psalmist just pouring his heart out to God, telling God what he really thinks and what he really feels. And God knows us anyway. We can't hide anything from him. So we may as well tell him, aren't we, how we feel. That's why I love the Psalms. They're so down to earth and so real. And we've got to be real with God, haven't we? There are times when we have mountaintop experiences And we experience the power of God. And the next day, we're feeling down. Tell him about it. He knows. It's not wrong to be sad. There's a lot of things to be sad about in our world, isn't there? Today. It's not wrong to be sad. Tell him. Tell God the way you feel. What are you doing here, Elijah? And do you know what God says to Elijah then? He's just walked 200 miles. And God says... Go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. We'll think a little bit more than that in a minute. But, you know, 
I don't know if you're on, on the road walking with God this morning, whether you started that walk, whether you're on the mountaintop experience, whether you're down in the valley, I don't know. God knows. Tell him. If you haven't started, then there, the starting point is the same for all of us. And if you have started and you've gone off that way, there's a lovely chorus we used to sing. There's a way back to God. From the dark paths of sin, there's a door that is open, and you may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus, that's the way we all come to God. That's the way we all are at peace with God. And that's the way we start walking with God. You can start there this morning. If you've gone away, you can come back there anytime. The way is still open. He'll not turn you away. So he says, go back. You see, God hadn't finished with Elijah. He still had work for him to do. And Elijah went back and appointed the next king of Israel. And so on. God had work for him to do. No matter how far away you've gone from God, whether it's 200 miles or whatever, there's a way back to God and God's got to work for you. God never gives up on you. I'm glad he doesn't. I used to read through the Bible and wonder why God never gave up on Israel. They were turning away from him time and time again. Time and time again they came back. They repented and time and time again God forgave them. And I thought, God, why didn't you get fed up with them? Then I looked at my own life. And I thank God he didn't give up on Israel. Because he could have given up on me many, many times. The final one. How long have I got, John? (laughs) The final one is one of my favourite stories in the whole of the Bible. And it's in the New Testament in Luke 24. And it's a story of the two disciples walking along from Jerusalem to Emmaus on the Emmaus Road. I expect most of you uh, know this story. The two disciples, I don't think we know their names. But they were very, very sad as they were walking along. And they were talking with their heads bowed and looking really, really sad. And a stranger drew up alongside them. And we read this, and this was my, uh, Ruth and my uh, text at our wedding. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He walked along with them by their side. And there's another gold question. What are you talking about? Jesus knew what they were talking about. But he still asked the question. And they said, we're talking about the the events that happened in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, well, what events? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty in word and deed. And we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. To get rid of the Roman occupation. We thought he was going to fight for us, etc., etc. Their dreams were shattered. Their lives were shattered. They'd given up perhaps quite a lot to follow Jesus. And it looked as though now it was all in vain. And then we read these amazing words. He opened, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus opened up the scriptures, things concerning himself. What a Bible study that must have been. I'd love to have been there, wouldn't you? Jesus himself opening up the scriptures. Starting with Moses and all the prophets. He couldn't turn to the New Testament. Hadn't been written. Moses and all the prophets. It is no accident that Jesus is the son of Abraham, the son of David. It is no accident that Jesus is Jewish. If he didn't fulfill 
Moses and all the prophets. He's neither is he the son of God. Because those things had to be fulfilled for the Messiah. The Messiah is prophesied in the Old Testament. Never, never degrade the Old Testament. It is as important as the New Testament. We don't have the New Testament without the Old. It's precious. It's the Word of God. Never demote it. And I know you don't here in this fellowship. They were unaware that it was Jesus by the side of him. And I don't know about you, but I've been through circumstances and situations in life like we all have. And we've never realised that God has been there by the side of us, helping us even when we don't know it. And I'm sure you've had that experience as well. And you look back and you think, I don't know how I got through that. It's because Jesus himself drew near and went with you. They were unaware of who he was. And they got to home and Jesus went to go on. And they said, no, come and have a a meal with us. So they went in and broke bread. And I'll come back to that in a minute. The first time I went to Israel, um, we went to a Shabbat Shabbat evening meal, which is Friday evening, before the Sabbath. And I was absolutely amazed. It was was quite a large meal, um, because I was with a group of of, of, um, uh, trekkers. We've gone on a trek in Israel. And they passed a loaf around and broke the bread and took a piece of bread. And then the rabbi gave thanks. And the guy stood next to me, a friend, a Jewish friend that I got chatting to on the trek. He said, you know, Phil, he said, we don't give thanks at a meal unless we break bread. And I didn't realise that. And it opened up to me when it says in the scripture, they broke bread and gave thanks. It sort of thought, yeah, that's so real. And that's still happening today. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. So they had a meal together, and then they realised who it was. Now, we're not told how they recognised him. But I just wonder, when he broke the bread, whether they saw the nail prints in the hands of the Saviour. I don't know. We're not told. Well, there we go. That's really what I wanted to say or share with you this morning. Wherever you are, if you started the walk, If you haven't started the walk, you can this morning. You can come to the Saviour at the cross who died for you. He shed his precious blood that your sins and my sins can be forgiven. And we can have peace with God. And we can walk alongside God in comfort. And we can enter his presence with thanksgiving as we were reminded uh, this morning. So you can start this morning. If if you've been on that walk for a long time, and we, we all... We, we all have that tendency that Adam and Eve had to do our own thing, go our own way. We think we know best. We've all got that tendency. We've inherited it from Adam and Eve. None of us escape that tendency to go away from God and go our own way. If you've done that, there is a way back to God. From the dark paths of sin, as the door is open, and you may go in at Calvary's cross, is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. Amen. Thank you, John.